Feels good to honor people, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's good stuff. Thank you guys, everyone that was a part of that. Uh, thank you again, everyone that served. Um, going to, it's going to be a little bit shorter this morning because of uh, the Veterans Day uh, presentation we did, but uh, I think we can get to it. You guys ready? You excited? Are you pumped up? All right. That's a little too much. I don't need that much. Um, we're continuing a series called First Things First, where we're talking about uh, priorities. We're talking about time. Um, it's, it's intentional. It's because of, you know, the holidays are coming up really soon. And for many of you, in the back of your mind is like this impending dread of like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that we're going to have to, all the parties, all the travel, all the family, all the gifts, all the money we're going to spend, right, all that kind of stuff. And so we want to just kind of take a moment before all this really, really starts and say, okay, Lord, show us how to make first things first. And last week, we talked about the fact that time is a limited resource. It, that makes it valuable. Since it's valuable, that means that others are going to be after it, right? And so people are going to want to have a say in how you use your time. How we use our time will either bring glory to God, glory to yourself, or glory to someone or something else. And we talked about the fact that we can, make, we can give God honor through our time if we will take an honest inventory of our time, redeem our time, and keep eternity in mind. I encourage you, all of our messages, you can find them online. We've got CDs in the foyer. Um, they're on, we've got our own podcast. It's, you, know, you should stay up to date, okay? Make sure the word, um, you're getting the word in all throughout the week, not just on Sundays. So this week, we're talking about making a turducken. Does anyone know what a turducken is, y'all? Anyone ever has anyone ever eaten a turducken? Okay. Oh wow, a brave soul back there. Bless you, my child. Um, a turducken is a food dish that is a chicken stuffed inside a duck, stuffed inside a turkey. It's like foodception. It's like multiple layers of food. Um, this kind of messes with me because I eat like a child. Um, I don't like my food to touch. Is anyone else kind of like that? I don't like my food to touch. Yeah, like when you put like green beans on the plate and the green bean juice like gets on the roll and makes it soggy. It's like, I, you know, I, didn't, I like divided plates, right? Divided plates make me happy. Juice stays where it should. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Besides that, this the turducken just... Cramming a chicken inside of a turkey, inside of a duck, or like it seems like punishment. Like it seems like you're angry at the animal. Like you, like you hold your friend while I eat you. Like it just, <laughs> I, it just seems cruel and unusual to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that when we try to do too much. Uh, when we are overwhelmed, uh, when we are overworked, when we are out of sync, our lives look like a turducken. Just there's too much going on. And so I want, I know you guys like to take Facebook quizzes, right? And you like to, like, so I'm, I'm going to give you a few things, which, by the way, you take a Facebook quiz, what color are you? You're not a color, you're a human, okay? Just don't, don't bother with it. What's my spirit animal? You're stupid. Um, <laughs> So, just, just joking, I'm just messing with you. So, you, if you remember Jeff Foxworthy, you might be a redneck if. Okay, we're going to go through, I've got seven different things here for you. Now, if you qualify for four or more, 
you might be making a turducken in your life, okay? So I want you to kind of internalize these, and is this me, okay? Here's the first one. If you feel like you never have enough time, you feel like you never have enough time, you're always behind the clock. If you're always in a hurry, everywhere you go, you're racing to that place. And many times you're thinking of the next place you're supposed to meet. This is my life, by the way. Uh, this is, I've, I've been incredibly convicted this entire series so far. Uh, so I'm preaching out of weakness, okay, out of strength. But if you're always in a hurry, you might be making a traducan out of your life. If you find yourself reacting to what's happening instead of planning for what you want to happen. If you're just reacting to what comes and you're just trying to keep your head above water and what the world is throwing at you instead of being able to plan and decide on your own, then you might be making a turducken. If you're doing a lot of different things but not excelling at anything. So you're doing a lot, you're active, but you're not excelling. You're not doing well. If you've heard the phrase, um, you're a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, you can do pretty well at many things, but you're not really doing well at anything. If that's the case, then you might be making a turducken as well. When you go to bed, when you wake up, if your mind is racing about all that you have to do, you might be making a turducken in your life. If your family complains about your time, how you spend your time, you're not spending enough time with them, or you're spending too much time on something else, that could be a potential uh, warning sign for us. And lastly, if you are waiting to do the things God has called you to do once things slow down, then you're probably making a turducken out of your life. Too much. you just cramming it all in there. And so I want to spend the rest of our time, I'm I'm going to tell you about two principles. There's just two. It's not even a three-point sermon. Two principles that that I want us to take a look at that are going to keep us from getting off track, from from doing too much, from, 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 you know, being overwhelmed, especially as we move into the holiday season. So I want to talk to you about two principles, and here's the first one. It's the principle of priority. The principle of priority. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the, y'all act like you don't know that verse. I know more of y'all know that verse. So we're going to do this again. Seek first the, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, if you read the whole chapter before that verse, that verse is at the end of the chapter. If you read the whole chapter, he's talking about just normal things. He's just talking about life. He's talking about where you're going to live. He's talking about the kind of job you're going to have. He's talking about the clothes that you're going to wear. He's talking about what you're going to eat, right? Just basic stuff. It's Jesus talking, and then he says, but let me give you a secret, and it's the principle of priority. Make the kingdom of God your priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Make the kingdom of God, make his righteousness, his way of doing things your priority. And then... God will give you, will add all these things, what things? The house, the job, the clothes, the food, the family. He'll add all of that to you as you make him the priority. There's a spiritual law in play that's happening when we choose to prioritize our relationship with Christ. 
he'll begin to take care of the other stuff that matters to us. You know, God's a giver. You know, we sing, he's a good, good father. We sang that this morning. It's true. It's not just a song. You know, God wants to give. He wants to give to you. John 3, 16 for God, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He, he's a giver. He wants to give. But as long as you are intent on providing for yourself, he won't be able to give to you. So when we prioritize the kingdom of God and his righteousness above our own way of doing things, we not only will have the benefit of being in the kingdom of God, which is awesome, but you will release the Lord to give to you. And don't you know, he gives good gifts. Amen? Absolutely. Um, Let me illustrate the principle of priority another way. Um, In Genesis chapter 4, it talks about Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel, right? And um, Cain uh, was a farmer that farmed um, vegetables and plants and, and fruit. And Abel was a farmer that dealt with livestock, okay, and animals. They both gave an offering uh, to the Lord, uh, and the Lord only accepted one, uh, only accepted Abel's. Cain got mad uh, and effectively killed 25% of the earth's population because it was just his brother, okay? Um, So let's go to the scripture and look at this. It says, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit, of of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. What is the Lord not a vegetarian? Like what's going on here? He's just a big carnivore meat eater. He just liked the sheep, but he didn't like the, the veggies. What's going on here? Well, you can see the reason why the Lord rejected it. It says this. Um, it says, Cain, it says, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought his offering. Ah, I should probably give something to God. Ah, okay, here you go. But what does it say about Abel? It says, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. See, he had placed priority. It wasn't what they gave to God. It was the order in which they gave to God that made it acceptable or rejected by God. Do you see that? And so the principle of priority is that is, is simply this. What you do first is what you honor most. What you do first is what you honor most. You know, we got Christmas coming up in just a little bit. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was hard to get out of bed sometimes. I like to sleep a little bit, but not on Christmas morning. On Christmas morning, I was up early, right? And I would jump into bed with my parents and I'd be bouncing and, hey, it's Christmas, man. Let's open those presents, right? And then my kids did the same thing when they were young. And they're like, hey, let's open up the presents, right? Let's do this. They didn't wake us up and say, hey, let's have a big meal and watch the parade on TV. And, you know, eventually once we get around to it, we'll open some presents. That's not how it went in our house. It's probably not how it went in your house either. And so in the same way, the kids had placed priority on opening presents because it's what they wanted to do most. It's what mattered to them the most. Here's the thing about priority. is It's difficult, it's difficult to manage because sometimes... Things that aren't that important become very urgent. And here's the key. Take care of what is urgent, 
but commit to what is important. Take care of what is urgent. You've got to take care of it, right? Like it's an emergency. We've got to deal with this. You've got to deal with it, but you commit your life. You orient your life around what's important, not just what is urgent at that time. Does that make sense? If you commit your life to what's urgent, you'll never find what's important because you'll be just going from fire to fire, from issue to issue, right? So we commit... We take care of what's urgent, but we commit ourselves to what is important. Another way to embrace the, the principle priority is, is to internalize a biblical priority list. Internalize a biblical priority list. Now say internalize so you're not walking around with a list like, hey, what's next, right? But, but, but you, you begin to understand what are your priorities in your life. And here's, here's an example. I've got one for you. This is an example of a biblical priority list based on Scripture. If you are married, your spouse is first. Your spouse is first. You, you, you've got to give yourself to your spouse. Now, notice, uh, underneath is children. That doesn't mean you neglect your children. But if you don't take care of your relationship of, with your, uh, your children's parents, right? If you don't take care of your children's parents, your children won't be honored by you. And, and so we, we've got to honor our spouses. We've got to honor our children. And next it says ministry. You know, whatever you're called to do, the way that you're called to serve, you will never be happy until you're serving the Lord in that capacity. You just, you won't receive the peace of God in that way. And then work, right? Then we've got to find a job. Scripture says, he who does not work does not eat. That's pretty clear, right? Don't need to look at the Hebrew in that one. I mean, you work, you get to eat. Congratulations, you get food because you work. You don't work, hey, good luck, right? And, and, and so then we've got friends and extended family. So you've got your in-laws, you've got your parents. If you, and, and see, people get this mixed up. Um, you know, if, if you are married and your parents, even though you're married, have as much say-so in your life as your spouse, then you're out of balance. Amen, Amen right? That was good, right? Yeah, Absolutely. But, but we get out of whack when our priorities, you know, aren't lining up this way. Hobbies, a hobby is anything outside of work that you do, outside of ministry that you do that for fun. Hey, hobbies are great. Hobbies are good, right? You got to have some time for them, but you can't elevate your hobbies above your family. You can't elevate your hobbies above your ministry. You will not be happy if you do that. You just won't. It's just not the way life works. And then entertainment. Entertainment's great. I like movies. I'm a movie snob. I like good movies, Okay. But, like, you know, it's, it's got to be prioritized underneath those things that are more important, right? And so this is an example of a biblical priority list. So I want to talk to you about another principle as well. So it's not just the principle of priority. This is the principle of permanence. They both start with P. Isn't that kind of cool? I was, like, using the dictionary trying to find another P word. Permanence. So while the... The, uh, the principle of priority was about what you do first. The principle of permanence is about what you do consistently. Okay, consistently. Um, if, if we look at Matthew 28, 20, th- this is some of Jesus' final words to his disciples. And we know it as the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've you know, told you to do. And then he says something. He says, and lo, if you're in the King James or New King James, lo, which means, hey, look, check it out. Or surely, I am with you always. One of the last promises Jesus made to his followers 
is that he would be with them. Not just, hey, I'm going to make a book for you. That's great. We've got, we've got the written word. That's wonderful. But even more than that, Jesus himself, through, through the Holy Spirit on earth, is with us. One of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, right? It literally means God with us. Um, in, in Galatians 2.20, it says, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ who lives in me. If you have become a follower of Jesus and, and you follow him and you're a believer and you become born again, do you realize that the, the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you? He lives in you. And you know you can't separate yourself from what's in you. I'm going to leave what's in me here at home and I'm going to do something else. You can't do that, Right? It's, it's, the, it's the principle of permanence. It's the idea that, that God, and here, here's, the, here's a better definition, God is a permanent fixture in your day-to-day activities. He's there the entire time, no matter what. No matter where you are, you're at the grocery store, you're at work, you're at home, whatever you're doing, the principle of permanence says that God is permanently a part of whatever you're doing. Did anyone notice when I sh- showed you a priority list earlier, did you notice anything missing? Did anyone say God wasn't on the list? Did you see that? Is that offensive? It's not. Here's why. God is not on your priority list. He is your list. Here's what it actually looks like. Your biblical priority list is spouse first, then children. Spouse plus God. Children plus God. Ministry plus God. Work plus God. See, you never separate God from any of these things. He's a part of who you are permanently, no matter what you're doing today, tomorrow, next week, two years, five years. He's there. See, the problem, so many of us um, say, well, I need to put God first. That's good. We need to make God priority. But many of us think, well, we get up, we do a devotional in the morning, and now we check like we had our God time. Now we get to go do whatever we want to for the rest of the day. No wonder we make bad entertainment choices. It's way far away from God in that linear thing, right? But this is a better way of, of your priority list. It, it all, they all include God. He never leaves any of it. And so he's a permanent fixture in our day-to-day activities. Uh, think of it this way. Here's another way of looking at it. This is what I like to call the abiding circle. The abiding circle. I'm going to turn to John chapter 15. You can follow along with me. John 15, 4 and 5, speaking to his disciples, he says, abide in me. Now, the word abide, we don't use that word a lot. It means to remain or to dwell or to continue in. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. All right, if you saw a branch that had fallen off of an apple tree or an orange tree or a lemon tree, you just saw it on the ground, would you expect it to bear fruit? No. Why not? It's not connected to the tree, right? It's not connected to the source. The source is the thing that causes the, the fruit to show up. He continues, verse 5, just in case there's any confusion, he says, I'm the vine, you know, I'm the tree, I'm the source. You are the branches. He who abides in me, there's that word again, abide. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You can't, look, you can't, so many times we try to do things 
in our own power, but it's not going to yield the fruit we're trying to fake people into thinking that we're, that we're showing, that we're bearing. We see this when Abraham was promised a son. Abraham was promised a son, and, and he didn't like the timing of it. He was like, well, this is really difficult, and my wife can't get pregnant. And, and so guess what? I, you know, I guess um, um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take his, uh, my wife's servant, and so he birthed Ishmael. And many of us are birthing Ishmaels all over the place because we're not waiting on God to be connected to, to be connected to Him and bear the fruit that we're called to bear. Amen. And so we've got to live by the abiding circle. Let me share this to you. This is what I like to call the abiding circle. So instead of top down, it's circular. God is at the center. In, in this way of living life, God is the central source from which all other areas of your life spring. This way you take God with you everywhere that you go. And you see the family, family is not separate, it's attached to God. Work is not separate, it's attached to him as well. Your entertainment, ministry, your friends, anything else you can think of is not separate from your relationship with God. It's fastened to your relationship with God. And and he's not just a part of our life or a a check on, on the checklist of things to do that day. But he becomes the center and the focal point of everything we do. What what would it look like if this was the way we actually lived? What, What would it look like in your family? What would it look like if our governmental leaders lived this way? What would it look like in your life? How would it change how you interact with your spouse or with your parents and with your children? If God was at the center of everything and you were abiding in him and he was abiding in you and there was that union, that relationship, how would it change your life? I think it would make a big difference. I think it would make a big difference. God would be with us All the time, not just Sunday mornings in church. I'm glad you're here this morning. But if you think this is what Christianity is about, then you're mistaken. Christianity is about what you're doing Tuesday at 2.30. It's about what you're doing Thursday at 9 a.m. It's about how you react when you get that unexpected bill. Or when someone you love does something stupid because they're going to. That's, that's what the heart of Christianity is about. We come here, we meet, we gather together. It's like a huddle. We get our marching orders. We figure out what God has for us. But the Christian life is not lived in this bubble called a sanctuary. It's lived in the community. But it will, will only be successful at that if God is at the center of everything that we do. And so my question for you this morning is the same question I asked last week. Are you bringing glory to God by how you use your time? Or are you making a turducken and just cramming everything in there? Let's stand for prayer.